you're listening to Demystifying Aged Care with Graham Maybury. Hi, I'm Graham Maybury, and I'm delighted you're joining me for another episode of Demystifying Aged Care, a podcast which explores the aging journey from a myriad of perspectives. Each of us on the planet is unique. You discover that every time you go through immigration. You have your own iris print. You have your own fingerprint. You have your own DNA. But each of us share the human experience. We're all born and we all die. It doesn't matter what our culture, our geographical location, our faith or lack of it. We physically enter the world and one day we physically depart. There's a big difference. We celebrate the entry. We celebrate birth. It's widely and universally enjoyed. But death is different. It's never been treated in quite the same way. It's always been uncomfortable. It's always been a taboo. Some consider it morbid. Some unnecessary to talk about death. Some fear it might bring it on. I remember in 1982, my first year on Nightline, uh, actually conducting an interview with an academic from Curtin University who was conducting the very first course in death and dying at a tertiary level. And since those days, there's been a shift in community and political attitudes to ageing, dying and death. There's a greater acknowledgement that for all of us, our life journey ends and we need to have healthy and respectful conversations about what that means practically, legally, spiritually. A concept known as dying well has emerged. It positions end-of-life planning as a positive experience, a time of reflection, an opportunity to think about what's personally important to you And make arrangements for your death as much as possible to be the way you want it to be. Today I'm joined in the studio by two people who bring amazingly valuable expertise and experience to the demystifying aged care discussion. Lana Glaukowski is the Chief Executive Officer of Palliative Care WA, the state's peak body for palliative care. She's an advocate for everyone's right to die well, the importance of advanced care planning, and for having access to palliative care services, if that's your choice. Wade Sinclair heads up chaplaincy services at Baptist Care, leads a team that has the privilege of sharing many end-of-life conversations with elderly Western Australians and their families, and something that he has done in a variety of settings. Welcome to you both. Lovely to have you with us. If I can begin with you, Lana. Yes. Uh, This idea of advanced care planning, what is it and why is it important? So advanced care planning is the concept, as you said, Graham, of planning for the the last stage of your life. At Palliative Care WA, we've fortunately been funded by WA Health to go out into the WA community and have conversations with people about advanced care planning. So can I be very clear to say that we don't see that this is something that you do when you're diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. Mm -hmm. This is something that you and I and everybody in this studio and everybody who's listening should be thinking about. So it's not something that you need to spend, you know, time every day thinking about, but it's the notion... Again, as you said, Graham, of recognising that we are mortal and that there are 
um, opportunities already in place, legal opportunities to plan ahead. So that's basically what advanced care planning is. Um, we take a very big picture view of advanced care planning. So we talk about encouraging people to have the conversations, um, to paint a picture about what they want for the last stage of their lives. They then may look at some of the documentation that's available, so and appointing an enduring power of attorney, an enduring power of guardianship, and then ultimately an advanced health directive. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so the critically important thing, it seems, is... Don't leave it too late. Exactly. So, our, yes, our key message to people is if you're thinking about planning for the last stage of your life, do it now. Find out about it. Come to one of our workshops. They're fun. They're engaging. We certainly don't present it as something morbid. Uh, we present it as something that's actually really empowering. And that's the feedback that we get from people. They walk out the door and go, whoa, there's an awful lot to do, but actually I think this is going to be really good. I'm ticking the, the boxes, I'm putting my ducks in a row, I'm sharing with my family and my GP and my treating team what I want, but perhaps even more importantly, what I don't want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, one of the things that's pushed this whole thing front and centre for us is the recent passing of the landmark voluntary assisted dying legislation. Yes. But I understand Palliative Care WA believe there needs to be a lot more community education on the difference between that and palliative care? Well, and, and advanced care planning. Mm. Yes, so I've just explained to you and your listeners about what um, advanced care planning is, mm. so that's planning ahead. Um, as part of your planning, you may choose, particularly if you've been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness that um, potentially is going to have a very difficult trajectory, you may start having conversations with your family and your treating team about voluntary assisted dying, um, which is the act of actively ending your life. Um, I think it's really important to recognise that voluntary assisted dying, when it's implemented in WA, so we've still got 18 months or so to go, um, there'll be one or two percent of the population that will be able to access voluntary assisted dying. It's a very small percentage, primarily because there are very clear criteria around accessing voluntary assisted dying, including the fact that you have to be cognitively able. So you have to actively be able to say to um, two doctors, I wish to die. Um, so voluntary assisted dying, um, very distinct from advanced care planning, and then distinct again from palliative care, which is... Um, which is really um, accessing services and supports for the last stage of your life if you've been diagnosed with a life-limiting illness. So, Graham, many of your listeners um, may have this view of palliative care being something that's accessed right at the end of life, mm -hmm. last few days, all treatment has failed, nothing else can be done, um, and then you access palliative care. That's a very oldie-worldie view of palliative care. Contemporary palliative care 
is very much about the service being accessed at point of diagnosis and it's about um, seeing the person holistically so providing of course um, pain and symptom management but there's more than that but there's absolutely what more else? than that so it's about so in a palliative care team there'll be a social worker who can help the person and their family work through you know potentially a myriad of issues that need to be worked through at that time what about personal emotional um, and 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 there will be a spiritual counselor um, available in the team so whether you're um, atheist agnostic or have a strong faith there are likely to be issues that you know you might want to resolve or deal with at, at the point at that point um, and so there's a member of the team that can help you but probably more important than anything the palliative care approach is about engaging with the family so many of our families tell us that it's not until they connected with the palliative care service that they felt integrally involved in the delivery of care and support to their loved one. Are there so, barriers to access to palliative oh, care? Oh, unfortunately, yes. Um, we've got a long way to go before palliative care can be equitably available to everybody in WA. So that's a big part of what Palliative Care WA does. So Are some groups more disadvantaged? Absolutely. So Aboriginal like people, mm -hmm. culturally diverse people, um, people in rural and remote communities, um, people who perhaps don't have a strong connection with their GP, people who don't understand what palliative care can offer them. Um, for many people, the notion of talking about palliative care is really hard, mm. and so they are likely to go, oh, no, no, I don't want to talk to them, because for them it's about, um, about death being imminent. Um, we've got a lot of work to do to re-educate people to recognise that it's about the best quality of life for the last stage of life, however long that may be. So for someone listening now, and either and we, we know they're different things, but whether it's advanced care planning or palliative care, um, how is there assistance available to take a first step? Absolutely. So if, if I could encourage your listeners to go to the Palliative Care WA website, um, they can access lots of information about palliative care. Um, Graham, you also may be aware of some ads that were on television um, late last year as part of a campaign called You Only Die Once, um, very much encouraging people to get on the advanced care planning page. So similarly, if people go to the web go to the web and type in you only die once WA that'll take you directly to a microsite that has all the information people need um, around advanced care planning Wade bring you in at this stage Lana's reinforced the importance of starting end of life conversations with your loved ones uh, I'm, I, and, and, and I know that's uh, it's one thing to say it but you must have experienced how difficult it is for people to have these conversations. Thank you, Graham. Yes, it is. It is difficult to have these discussions. It's one of those um, things that people might tend to put off, and people may think that they will send the wrong message and are waiting for uh, the person to die, um, but they don't want to offend their loved ones. They, for some reason. Raising the subject is, is taboo. They may think that by merely mentioning it, uh, they might cause it to happen. Mm -hmm. On the contrary, 
Um, I agree with Lana. Talking about dying is the loving and caring thing to do. It shows love and respect. Is it okay to talk about what you would like to see happen when you die is a good question. Mm. You know, do you want a funeral? What sort of funeral? Would you like to be uh, buried or cremated? Those sorts of questions are, are good to explore as well. So I guess the first step is understand it's not easy for anybody. No. No. Unless they have some pathological, morbid, you know, fascination. But for most of us, and as you're saying, it can be introduced as a, just a, oh, what would you like to happen? Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, families are very diverse mm. and they can be complex and complicated and, and older people are vulnerable towards the end of life and, and they need respect and and those grieving can be vulnerable as well. True. And so what happens with vulnerable older people if the family aren't supportive of their wishes? Well, older people can um, be disconnected in some way. There's, there's differences of opinion. That's normal. People have different values, different beliefs and understandings. People can be grieving and not thinking clearly at the time. And older people can feel uh, cut off from what's going on. You know, where families are estranged... Uh, there can be conflict. One chaplain describes it as tension in the in in the uh, chapel, and that can be tragic. The person dying may not be cognitive; they may yeah. not be able to communicate well. Um, death is can be complicated because people handle grief and loss differently. Yeah. They so, can, so therefore, like I imagine, when you if you've got this situation where an elderly person has a clear view, mm-hmm. the family aren't supporting it. Being able to talk to someone, let's say they're in a residential setting, a res- residential aged care setting, being able to talk to a chaplain, someone yeah. like yourself, can be a very valuable help for them and maybe appropriately broker some journey forward. That's right. Um, we need to look at these things calmly and peacefully mm. as best we can. Chaplains are trained to support and care for people throughout their entire time while they're in care. Chaplains are very good at supporting families and people on the palliative pathway and those who are dying. Making the last days peaceful and comfortable are very important. They can listen to your questions, provide answers, connecting people, offering and showing support wherever required. The key is knowing what, uh, knowing the person and knowing what matters to them, what really matters to them, emotionally and spiritually. Uh, really knowing someone makes all the difference. See, stepping back from that then and just yep. uh, you know, away from this narrow focus of the, the last few hours or days or weeks or months um, and saying that necessarily in these podcasts we've focused on um, financial things, we've focused on physical things, mm. we've focused on uh, physical environments, and but the, we're whole people, as uh, I think right. Lana said holistically, you said holistically. What do chaplains do in the day-to-day? So chaplains really get to know people and they want to know, you know, there's a, there's a, a program called See Me, Know Me. And it's not just going in and caring for people as a, a matter of fact uh, daily business, but it's really getting to know how the person makes sense of who they are uh, the world around them, where they fit in, uh, what their loves are, what their desires and hopes are, their dreams. Even towards the end of life or in the, in the last few years, people will have some understanding of uh, what they want out of life. 
Okay, and and there's a there's a view that, um, well, there's a view that like what do they say? How many Baptists does it take to change a light globe? And the answer is change. Yes. Uh, but that that and that we're kind of tub thumping. We're so narrow we can look through a keyhole both eyes. Don't have to shut one. <laughs> um, so now and that if you're not Baptist, you don't get into Baptist care. You got to be in the club. That's not true, is it? No, it's not true. People we, people from all sorts of different backgrounds, faith backgrounds, cultural backgrounds are in our care. Everyone's welcome. People who work at Baptist Care are also from many different backgrounds and, and their stories are all important. It's really important to hear uh, someone's story and that's where we get to see them and know them. See, that's it. Well, like in my experience, um, I've been really impressed with how, um, how open chaplains in in the setting are to people, whether they're Buddhist, Baptist, atheist or Jain, and is it is it so? Because this is your patch. Do people, regardless of whether what their faith or lack of it is, do they come to some sort of um, I don't know transition, look for meaning as they come towards the end? Is that? Yeah, that's a great question, Graham. Throughout our whole lives, we're looking for meaning and purpose, and uh, why are we here? Mm. And so it all has to do with identity, and uh, and so the big questions are: Who am I? Where have I come from? Where am I going and why? And towards the end of life, the last two questions, where am I going and why, are really important. And so people might have new questions and they might uh, start to ask for the first time. Even if you are a person of faith, you may have some doubts. It might be a time of lament. You know, why has this happened to me? Why Why am I in this situation? And so those last two questions, where am I going and why, uh, can provide a lot of meaning for people. And some people, uh, towards the end of life, come to faith for the first time. They, they become more interested in God or uh, whatever it is, they make some final decisions. Mm. Yeah, they, they sort of uh, talk about cramming for your finals, actually. Yeah. But one final thing is... Um, now, obviously, the legal side of preparing, as Lana's mentioned, is important. And wills and estate planning. Well, I have a friend who one of the reasons, one of the one of the one of the little flags that told him it was time for him to leave law, was that he just got worn out dealing with the family friction around wills and estates. Yeah. It can be a source of huge. Um, it must be where your chaplains spend a lot of time. Yeah, certainly um, at these times, it's not the right time. It's uh, families, as I've said, are, are complex and sometimes there are complications. People are different and they handle grief and loss differently. Uh, there, there are family histories where uh, someone may feel aggrieved for whatever reason. Some people feel entitled to demand or take. And wills and estate planning are best dealt way, way beforehand. Mm. And uh, they need to be put aside at this time. Uh, now is a precious time to spend with mum or dad, reassuring them of your love for them. Creating a sense of peace amongst the family can be reassuring for the person dying. And chaplains will provide support wherever they can for families, listening, comforting, perhaps a little mediation at times is required. Exactly. But I think just before I come back to Lana, probably really worth stressing, a chaplain will never impose their own view. Absolutely. We are not there to, to judge or to... Uh, proselytize or anything like that. Um, spiritual care is everybody's business and chaplains are there to, to care spiritually for people. Lana, we talked lawyers a minute ago. 
and when it comes to this advanced care plan, do you need a lawyer? No. So really important, if you're, if you're appointing someone to be your guardian and manage your goods and chattels, mm. if you're appointing, appointing someone to be your guardian, so to make health and lifestyle decisions on your behalf, mm-hmm. there are forms that are available. So and that was again, the EPA, EPA, Enduring EPA Power of Attorney. And EPG. Guardianship. Um, guardianship. You, they're, they're quite straightforward forms. You don't need a lawyer mm-hmm. um, because really you're just nominating who that person is and what their responsibilities are. Of course, it needs to to be witnessed, it needs to be completed as a legal document, but no, you don't need a lawyer. Graham, if I could just add though, mm, sure. the in, the document that's the most powerful is the Advanced Health Directive. So that's the document that um, is informing your treating team, um, your emergency physician, your palliative care physician, about what treatments you want, want and what treatments you don't want at end of life. Now, again, I would respectively, and I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not meaning to um, demean lawyers in any way, but you don't need a lawyer mm. to complete that document. You do need medical input. Okay. So you must talk to your GP, your treating team, someone who can help you write the document in a way that makes sense to your treating team. And, so and in that really ad- important. Yeah, in that, that advanced care directive, can you say what location you want to die in? Um, no, because it's a, it's primarily a treatment document. So you can complete a wishes document, which is sort of earlier in the advanced care planning process, mm. where you can talk about where you want to live, who you want to care for you, and all of those sorts of things. And you need to have those conversations with your enduring guardian, if you've appointed one. Sure. But no, the advanced health directive, and Graham, can I just be clear, in WA it's not called an advanced care directive, it's called an advanced health directive, um, and it's very much a treatment document. No, it makes sense. Now, going stepping back from that to the broader advanced care plan, yep. they say we have the right to change our minds. Yes. What what happens if you set up a plan, but yep. then you later change yep. your mind? Advanced care planning is a dynamic process. It's not one. It's not something you do once and then put it up in the shelf and you study and never consider it again. Um, As your health deteriorates, um, you may reflect on what your treatment options are. You might reflect on where you want to be cared for. Uh, And so we actively encourage people, if they have a change of heart, they change their documents. You can change who you appoint as your guardians. You can completely change your advanced health directive. you can't amend the existing one. You need to make a new one. That's the only caveat around that. Fantastic. Come back to you, Wade. You do what uh, what many chaplains and pastors do. Most of the general community don't, and that is spend significant time with people in the last days or even hours yes. of their journey. Um, what what has that taught you? What insights has that given? Yeah, I see this as a very precious time. Uh, a sacred time really, akin to childbirth, believe it or not. Um, It's a time when someone's transitioning out of this life and it's a time when you realise that they've lived a unique life, a one and only uh, experience that they've had Mm. and no one else has ever had. Um, You want to assure them of your love, you want to hold their hand if that's appropriate, 
stroke their hair, sit silently, be present with them, listen, reminisce. You might want to read, you know, scripture, a poem, a favourite story. You might want to sing. You want to express your love and respect and honour for the person in whatever way you, that seems right to you. And there might be a time when family's around, the important people, friends, uh, even uh, people of faith, their own faith, might gather around. There's a story of uh, a family who gathered outside a window and held a barbecue. And so the person who was transitioning, uh, they could hear the sounds, um, they could smell the smells, they could hear the laughter and, and the conversation going on. Uh, another situation involved an Aboriginal woman who wanted to go back to the bush and die in her country and, and that wasn't possible. So they brought family in, they brought uh, branches from native trees in and they played uh, the sounds of native birds singing and uh, that was just a beautiful time. One of my favourite Elizabeth Kubler-Ross quotes is, the only rule about grief is there are no rules. Absolutely. Everyone does it differently. Absolutely. So yeah. you'll be in different places as a family, kind of give each other room. Yeah. And it's all new territory for everyone. And it's new territory to be explored, not fearfully, but uh, together. Lana, earlier in the podcast, you gave us some really great first point of contact. But if people didn't grab it then... What's the where do we start linking in with palliative care WA? What, what's the website? Um, so it's palliative care WA uh, is the website. So mm -hmm. just do a Google search. I think we come up top of the list. There you go. <laughs> I would I would expect that to be the case. Um, but also the other alternative is to go to the website. You only die once. Um, so that's got the information on it, particularly about advanced care planning. Um, but even even if you don't go to the website, my message, Graham, to everyone is let's start um, considering the last stage of our life. Let's try mm. and not be apprehensive about thinking about it. That, in fact, once you start identifying what's important for you and what your values are, then the advanced care planning process can actually be quite straightforward. Um, it's, it, it feels scary, uh, but actually once you make a start, it's actually really empowering. Yes. Fantastic. Look, we'll, those if you didn't get the contact details down that time, we'll include them in the show notes for this episode. Time has gone, but I want to thank my guests for participating in a discussion that, as Lana has said, it can be difficult, but once you start, it's empowering. And it's vitally important. If you've got a question about anything you've heard today, or you would love information covered on a future episode, we really want to hear from you and have you drive this. Get in touch with us via podcast at baptistcare.com.au. That contact again is podcast at baptistcare.com.au. And don't forget, help spread the word about demystifying aged care by heading over to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star review. If you think this information could help and uh, encourage others, it's a great way to get us on the radar. I'm Graham Mabry. I hope it won't be too long before we're sharing another conversation about what, what matters to you on the journey of ageing. But until then, goodbye. God bless. Demystifying Aged Care is proudly brought to you by Baptist Care.